Amen. Glory. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, as we continue our series through the book of 2 Corinthians, looking at what it means to be a servant of the Lord. 2 Corinthians is Paul's testimony of serving the Lord. He is setting an example of service to the Lord. And today we want to look at sort of next level service, if you will. What I mean by that is God always is calling his people to a higher level, to the new level, to a next level. And Paul's going to talk to us about some dynamics of what we need to have in our life if we're going to serve God at a new level or next level. And listen, my friends, in this season we are in right now as a church, that's exactly what God is doing because God is preparing us for September, when he continues to bring through the summer more and more people into our church, and where in September we start two services and hit the ground running, and summer is not going to be like it is many times in the Valley of the Sun here. Uh, I, I believe we're going to be building momentum through the summer, and God is going to continue to speak to us and tap people and move in people's lives and draw us into a other level of service for him. And so you and I have to figure out what part does God want me to play, and not just here at this church or some other church, but as a 24-7 servant of the Lord, what does that next level of service look like in my life? What, what does God want uh, for me? What, what does he design me for in this particular season of my life? And so that's what we're going to be exploring here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. I want to begin, though, in the first couple of verses, looking at especially one word, and it's fact, actually the first word we come to in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 6, it's the word now. He says, now, because we are fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, I heard you at the acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. Now. Why is that important? Paul is quoting here from a passage in the book of Isaiah where God is trying to instill in his people a sense of urgency. He's saying, look, you're only on this earth as my servants for a certain amount of time. And now is not the time for my people to keep putting things off that they've been putting off when it comes to their relationship with me and, and they're serving me in this life. You and I don't know how much time we've got left. And so the whole idea from God's perspective of saying, I'll get to it tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, God is saying, no, no, now is the time. You see, and, and when he talks about salvation, remember, salvation isn't just talking to us about that moment you and I accepted Christ as our Savior. It could be any form of deliverance. It even means victory. Now's our time of victory. If you have been dealing with something, struggling with something, battling something, God's saying, today can be your day of victory where you allow me to overcome that and bring victory into your life, you see. Now is the time. This day is 
is all we know we have. This may be the last service we ever have at the Oasis Church. Maybe the rapture happens this week and we don't get a chance to come back next Sunday. So what's it going to be, folks? God is saying, now's the time I want to meet with you. Now's the time I want to work. Now, give me your now, you see. Now, in light of that, Paul wants to share, if you and I are going to serve God at the next level or a new level in our life, here's four things that we've got to sort of take with us. And, and look at this as if, if you're familiar with martial arts at all, you know that as you grow and learn more of, of the art, that you go up degrees, you, you go up levels, okay? as you master proficiency in certain things. And I want us to think about that as far as being a full-time servant of the Lord, that God always, no matter where you and I are at, God's always calling us up to a higher level. He doesn't want us to be satisfied to stay where we are. And as a church, God is speaking to us now corporately as a community of believers here today as well, because God wants to take our level even corporately, and he wants to take it up to another level. What's that look like, and, and how do I fit into that? Well, if you and I are going to do next-level service for the Lord, the first thing we need to have is great partners. Great partners. You see that there in verse 1. Now, because we are fellow workers, ministry partners, those who cooperate and who help one another. In fact, in verse 4, he says, but as God's servants, we, plural, have commended ourselves in every way. We are literally standing together, supporting one another, and being a positive and powerful example of what God can do with a few people who come together and work together, you see. There's such a there can be such a, a synergy, if you will, between people. And, and listen, this can be as few as just two of you, because that's how Jesus sent out his followers, two by two. It could be a couple more or whatever. But God wants us not only to be partnering with him, because we always have a supernatural partner in the Holy Spirit, in fact, in verse 6, you see this. I'll come back to this verse. But notice there towards the end of the verse, by the Holy Spirit. And we know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit as Christians who dwells within us at all times. So we always, every day, can be partnering with God and should be. That's how you and I can continue to go up to another level in our service. But God also says, I will strategically bring into your life certain people that you can partner with. And you will be better together than you could ever be apart. You can achieve more by coming together with this person or a few others than you ever could by being apart. You can mutually strengthen each other. You can mutually encourage each other. You can collaborate with each other. You, you, can, you can just help sharpen each other. You can be there to support and help and pray for one another. But Paul is saying just as it was in his time, that if you and I are going to go up to the next level, you and I can't do that on our own. We should never feel like we're out there trying to live for the Lord and serve the Lord on our own. God wants us to partner with him, and God wants us to partner with others. And in this season that we're in as a church, we need to be figuring out 
Who is it, God, you want me to partner with? Even if it's just to be praying with, even if it's just to be meeting with, even if it's just to be part of their team and to help them achieve what God has called them to do, God is saying, I want you to partner with one another. Now, in contrast to that, then notice what Paul says in verse 14. Do not become partners with those who don't believe because then you're going to be mismatched. You do not need to partner with those who don't believe in order to achieve the things that God wants you to achieve as a servant of his. Our primary responsibility and ministry to those that don't believe is to be a witness and to be a light to them. And when God gives us the opportunity to share the gospel, obviously, and to live out the gospel to them, and, but their first step is not service to the Lord. Their first step is salvation, you see, because God does not call unbelievers to service. God calls them to salvation, and then after salvation, then we begin to live a life of service, you see. We live in a very dangerous time in the church today because there are churches out there who care more about having people up front who have great skill and ability but aren't even saved and they hire these people to be part of their, whether it's their ministry team or worship team or whatever, to do what they do because they do it at such a skillful level. Listen, folks, that's not the way God designed it. First of all, what you and I are involved in when we serve the Lord is a spiritual thing. And people that do not have this, the Holy Spirit in them can't do what you just saw happen even here a few minutes ago. That was the Holy Spirit partnering with the people who were up here, and God was so, doing a spiritual dynamic thing in this room through those who have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying they're not skilled or they don't have the ability, but the number one thing God is looking for is the Holy Spirit living within us then he can work through his spirit to accomplish spiritual, supernatural things that the natural person could never do because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Their first thing is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, you see. So God says, you don't need to ever partner with an unbeliever to accomplish what I want you to do as a church, as individual Christians. You be a light to unbelievers. You witness when you feel you're being led to, to unbelievers. You call them to salvation in Jesus and all of that. But service is not part of their deal. Salvation is the step that unbelievers must take. You see, because they have very different values and priorities as an unbeliever than what you and I are supposed to have as Christians. Therefore, to couple us together, it's, it's not supposed to work. It's going to go in two different directions because we're going to keep following Christ and serving him, and an unbeliever is going to follow the ways of the world. So that's part of the reason why we even tell, you know, those contemplating marriage and whatnot, same thing. Don't partner with an unbeliever. You're, you're only going to bring heartache into your life because you have different sets of values and priorities in your life. And that's not who God wants us to partner with. So, the first thing you and I need 
to have in our lives if we're going to go to that next level of service is great partners. Second is great possessions. Great possessions. In verse 3, he begins by saying, we do not give an occasion for taking an offense in anything. We don't want to cast God or ministry in a bad light so that others will not find fault with our ministry. But as God's servants, we commend ourselves in every way with great endurance, tenacity, to, to have that staying power to hang in there because guess what? Living for the Lord and serving him, especially 24-7, as we've said, is not for the faint of heart. It, it takes a supernatural stick to if you will. It takes a spiritual tenacity, that endurance, that perseverance, because there are going to be especially seasons that it's not going to be easy at all to keep doing what God's asking us to do. It may be that we're facing spiritual opposition. We talked about that Wednesday. It may be that we're facing human opposition. It, it may be that we're even facing other Christians who are not on board and all of that. We don't know what we're going to be facing, but all of us need to have that endurance. We also need to be willing to go through notice persecutions verse uh, 4 difficulties distresses notice for Paul it also included beatings and imprisonments and riots and troubles and sleepless nights and hunger Paul's not painting a, a picture of being a servant of the Lord like you know it's an easy life it's the most rewarding life it's the most fulfilling life. It's what God created us to be and to do in this short life that you and I have, which is why he's saying now is the acceptable time. But he says, make no mistake about it. You can't do this alone. We need to partner with God, and we need to have others who we know are supporting us and helping us because it's going to be tough, especially at times. But then notice verse 6. He says, but we can do this, first of all, by purity. And that's not talking about moral purity. I'm not saying moral purity is not important, but this is talking about single-mindedness. See, many times in the New Testament, when the Bible uses the word purity, it's speaking of undiluted, something that's undiluted, something that's pure. So we could even say some, someone who's not distracted, someone who's single-minded. And we know Paul was single-minded. I mean, in the book of Philippians and others, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was a single-minded individual. He did not allow himself to get distracted by all these other things. He stayed focused. Paul also goes on to say, by knowledge or spiritual insight, by patience, we could also use the word long-suffering, especially with others. By benevolence, you could use the word kindness there. By the leading of the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, meaning not fake love, not pretend love, not put on love, but real godlike love. By truthful teaching, because it's only by sharing the truth that we are set free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set people free. By the power of God, with weapons, spiritual, both to the right hand and for the left. Paul's basically saying to us, we can be completely equipped to take on any challenge or any challenger that we'll ever come up against. And then he says in verse 8, through glory and dishonor, 
through slander and praise, regarded as imposters and yet true, unknown yet well-known, dying and yet see we continue to live, as a scourge and yet not executed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. I'm going to stop there. Paul is simply saying, you and I as God's servants have to learn to deal with what others may think or what others may say compared to what God says about us. Or maybe even what we think about ourselves. Paul says it's not about what we think or what, how we see ourselves or even how other people see us, what our, what, how they regard us or whatever, because he said there's always going to be that. Some people are going to say you're crazy. <laughs> Some people are going to dismiss you. Some people are going to misunderstand you. That's always going to be the case. But Paul says there's always the other side of it. There's going to be people that think, you know, you're pretty special and, and you're wonderful. And God, these are the things that God says about us. But I want to get then to the last part of verse 10 because in this passage where Paul is dealing with a lot of the stuff that you and I are going to have to deal with in life and ministry and how hard it is sometimes to serve the Lord, and in the midst of that, he says, if you and I are going to raise the level of our service, he starts out by saying, we need to have great partners in our life. And we do through the Holy Spirit and through others that God brings into our life. But we also need to always remember this. We have great possessions. Because notice at the very end of verse 10, he says, some may think, and maybe even we think, we have nothing, and yet in Christ, don't miss this, we possess everything. I want you to think about that. See, that's why some even Christians don't serve the Lord, because they, they look at themselves, and they go, I, I don't have what it takes. I'm not this, or I don't, I don't have, you know, this ability. That We talked about that last week, how all of us are God's masterpieces. And we need to get to the place where we embrace how God made us, who he made us to be, uh, what skills and abilities and talents and temperament and all that that he did for us, because he took his time to design and create each one of us and to do so with a purpose in mind, if you will. And God is saying to his people, you may look at yourself a certain way as, I don't have what it takes. And others may even view you that way, like you don't have the stuff. But Paul said, if God's called you to this, if God says, this is what I want you to do, then know this, you possess everything that you need in Christ to achieve what God wants you to do. Everything. Because you're in Christ. Remember what Paul said to the Colossians. He says, for in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you and I as his followers are filled up or complete in him. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Or other translations say, I shall not want. Because if I'm following my shepherd, I possess everything that Jesus Christ can give me everything. We, we all look at ourselves and go, what do I got? That's why I love stories like, you know, even though we talk about it all the time and it can be overused, like David slaying the giant Goliath. You know, he tried to, they tried to get him to put on Saul's armor, you know, because he was just a shepherd boy. Who's he? 
All he's got is a few smooth stones and a sling. And David had to take off the armor because it didn't fit him. It didn't feel right because he was trying to be what someone else wanted him to be or thought he should be. He just was himself. He just took to the battle what he always took to the battle. And I love what David says. He says, in the past, God allowed me to, to take care of the bear and to take care of the lion when it was, when it was attacking. He said, I, I know that I can do this because God worked through me in the past. And instead of me trying to be something I'm not, I just have to realize that I possess already everything that I'm going to need. I'm enough in Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants all of us to realize that as we go up to that other level, it's not like we need to be somebody different than who we are. God is saying to us in this new season he's going to bring us into with new people, and he's going to move in extraordinary ways and do unprecedented things. And you and I could shrink back from that and go, God, we're not ready for that as a church and all of that. And God is simply saying, you are ready. You're more ready than you know you are, that you want to admit you are, because you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, and you possess all things through him in order to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. We have great partners and we have great possessions and each of you lacks nothing in Christ to achieve what God wants you to achieve through serving him. But Paul doesn't stop there. He also says if you and I want to go up to another level, we need to have great passion. Great passion not just great partners, not just great possessions. We need to have great passion. Notice what Paul says in verse 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide to you. Literally, we made room for you in our hearts and lives. Let me stop there. As I shared last week, and you and I all know this, we've been part of, you've been part of the Oasis since like last May even. God has just continued to bring new people in almost weekly to our church. And one of the things God wants us all to do is to make sure, as his children, that we're making room for the new people that he wants to bring in. And not just to have two services, to have, dip, you know, chairs for more people, but it's about us making room and welcoming and embracing new people as God brings them in. He wants us to have that kind of heart for other people like Paul was expressing to the Corinthians. That may even mean, I know this is hard, that may even mean you can't sit where you normally do because, because, because the new person had the audacity to come in and sit in your seat. I've seen some of you look around. I, I've seen some of you come in and the, that new person's there. Do they not know that that's my seat? <laughs> Guys, we've, we, we got to get over that. We got to be bigger than that. We've got to say, you know what? If that's where they want to sit, I'll go somewhere else and sit. Because I want to show others that I'm making room for them, not just in our church, but making room for them in our heart. Notice he says in verse 12, our affection for you, Corinthians, is not restricted. We're not holding back, but he says, you're holding back in your affections for us. And he says, now, this isn't, isn't this a fair exchange? 
Because this is the way relationships are supposed to work, right? It's not supposed to be one-sided. No healthy relationship is one-sided, where one is always doing the giving and the other one's always receiving. Paul says, in a healthy relationship, there's always give and take, right? So he says, I'm speaking to you as my spiritual children. Make room in your hearts for us also. Couple things. First of all, I love this word for affection in the New Testament. It, it's, it's literally the word for bowels and intestines. Basically, Paul's saying, you know when you've made room in your heart for somebody because it affects your bowels and intestines, y your gut, you see. You know, in a sense, you love someone because it affects your gut. That, that's why they used that term. In fact, even in the word affection is the word affect, right? In other words, I know that I care about somebody and love somebody because if I hear something about them or whatever, it affects me. If, if, it, if it doesn't really affect me, then I really have not made room in my heart for them. Now, please hear me say, Paul's not saying that you and I are going to be able to, nor should we, open up our heart wide to everybody. We obviously have to be careful of who we open up ourselves to and everything. And, and God doesn't expect all of us to be equally related to each other as far as how close we are. Even Jesus, even within the disciples, had those that were closer to him than the other nine were. Peter, James, and John, you see. So God understands we're not going to have the same level of closeness and intimacy and connection with everybody in the body, but what Paul is saying is, I should make room for some. I should be willing to put my walls down and make myself vulnerable because it's the only way that I can really begin to serve God at a higher level. You see, for those even Christians who've gotten burned, and we all have, who've gotten hurt, and we all have, it's so easy to either retreat into our shell like the turtle or to put up walls to where we just don't let anybody in. The problem with that is that, yes, I'm not guaranteeing you that as you begin to make yourself vulnerable again and put yourself out there, that you're still not going to get hurt. But what I am saying is this. God is saying that that's the only way you can really serve me is to allow yourself to be affected by others, to, to allow your heart to be open to others. Because those that do not hurt you, oh, you're going to be so glad that you opened up your heart to others because what you can experience through those type of relationships and friendships is, is maybe one of the most wonderful blessings about living on earth, is having those, those few people that you opened up your heart to, and man, it's, it's good, and it's right, and it, and it just... It refreshes you, and it strengthens you, and there's nothing like it. But Paul says, what you're missing out on simply because you don't want to put yourself out there anymore is you can't serve that way because you think about Jesus. 
Jesus could have said, I'm God, I'm perfect, I don't deserve this, I'm not putting myself out there. Can I tell you, and I'm sure you agree, I'm glad Jesus put himself out there even though he experienced such hurt and rejection and abuse. Because without his willingness to open up his heart to the world, even though the majority of the world turned their backs on him, that allowed those of us who do want a relationship with him to have it, you see. And God says, I'm calling you to that same kind of life. You need to be willing to go through the hurts and the rejection of certain relationships because if you don't ever put those walls down and make yourself vulnerable and open up your heart and make room for others, you'll also never experience the joy that can come through those kind of relationships. And Paul's simply asking the Corinthians, take the walls down. I have not held back. And here's the deal. The more in you and I pour ourselves out, oh, God can use us. God can use that kind of sacrifice. Yeah, it, it, it's going to hurt at times. I even think about the personal testimony that I could give. And many, many of you know it. After what I experienced in New York, I was very hard. I said, I will never be in the ministry again. I will never pastor again. I, I will never allow myself or my family to go through what we experienced there. And God got me to the point where he said, Jeff, if you don't let me do this through you and in you, you're going to miss out on so much. And boy, I look out at this last 11 years here and go, I'm so glad God continued to work on me to take those walls down and allow myself to be put back out there again because I would have missed all of you. I would have never known you. I would have never had this experience to pastor this wonderful church and to be a part of what God is doing here in such a special way. So I just want to encourage you. It's worth it. Yeah, it hurts at times. When people walk out of your life and when they say certain things and do certain things, it hurts, but it's still worth it, folks. Open up your heart to what God wants to do. And then finally, we have not only great partners, great possessions, great passions, but great privileges. Go over with me to verse 16 in the middle where Paul says, we are the temple of the living God. Now, folks, he's not saying the same thing here that he said in 1 Corinthians. There, he's telling individual Christians, you, as an individual Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's not what he's doing here. Here, he's talking to the church. And he's saying, do you realize, church at Corinth, do you realize, church of the oasis in Gilbert, Arizona, that you are also the temple of the living God, meaning that you, when you come together, God divinely manifests himself in your presence. And we have certainly felt the presence and power of the Holy Spirit here this morning, you see. And there's nothing like that experience that when God in his favor and blessing is willing to, to move and work in our midst and just settle down and just allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And Paul says, what a privilege it is 
when as a church you can come and you can feel the presence of God here. You know God is here. You know God is working. You know he's showing up every Sunday and Wednesday. That is a tremendous privilege we have because, listen, God doesn't work this way in every church. And I'm not saying we're the only church. I'm just simply saying you can't necessarily go to just every church and feel like you're going to experience the presence and power of the moving of the Holy Spirit like he's chosen to do here these last several months especially and where he wants to take us. Notice these great privileges continue. I will live in them. I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Again, he's not talking to us as individuals here. He's talking to us now as a church. So he says, therefore, come out from the world and be distinct. And he says, look, I will welcome you. I had to, I had to get a smile on my face when Nicole was giving her word from the Lord because I knew it was from the Holy Spirit because I'm sitting there listening to her going, yeah, that's going to be in my message later on. Yeah. Because what this verse, or what this word welcome means, pull you close. God says, I want to pull you close. And she was inviting us, get closer to the Lord. Don't, don't stay at a distance. That's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to manifest himself in such a way to continue to draw us as a body of believers and as individual Christians closer and closer and closer to him. And then in verse 18, I'll be a father to you. I will watch over you and watch out for you as a church, and you will be my sons and daughters. Speaking of an intimate connection and relationship with God, says the all powerful, the ruler and master of all, the one who has his hand on everything has his hand on us. And you and I could give testimony to how God has had his hand on this church. God has his hand on other churches. God has his hand on other lives. But, but it's a tremendous privilege, and it's not something that you and I should take for granted. I've been going to church since I was a baby, I can tell you, based upon my own just being in different churches and speaking in different churches and, and ministering in different churches, that what God is doing here is not something you and I should ever take for granted. Because there are Christians that live their whole life and are never part of a church where God is moving and working like he is here right now. And I just pray that God in his favor will continue to choose to do this in our midst. But here's the deal. God wants to see us responding to what he's doing. He's saying to us, yes, you have a great privilege of being part of a church like this. You have great possessions because you possess all things in Christ. I want you to have great passion for some people that I want to bring into your life that you can uh, embrace and open up and welcome them into your heart and into your life. And, and I want you to have great partners in your life so that you never do it yourself. But what he's saying is, now's the time. Now's the time. Don't put it off one more day. Don't say, okay, God, you know, next year at this time or next week or what. No, God's saying now. Let me in now. Let me do what I want to do now. Begin to, to do what I'm asking you to do now. Respond now. Don't wait, because you and I don't know how much time we've got left. Just this last Friday, I did probably one of the largest funerals I've done in quite a while, obviously because of COVID over here at the Gilbert Memorial Park. For many of you that, that know, I'm sort of the pastor on call over there. 
that if a family from the area comes in and they have a loved one who's went on to be with the Lord or anything, just a death that they've experienced, and they don't have a pastor that they call on me to do the service. There was over 300 people over at that Memorial Park Friday at 2 o'clock in that service. That man that I did his service for was younger than me. He was 57 years old, died of colon cancer. 57. He had kids as young as 19. We don't know, folks. We don't know how long we've got. And this whole idea of, you know, I've got all the time in the world, God says, no, no, that's not how I want you to think. I want you to think about now. What are you going to allow me to do now? Because I'm enough. And you possess everything you need in me. Let's start now and not wait for tomorrow. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Lord, I, I just pray, God, that you would just continue to work in our midst. God, I believe you want to do something very special here in this church. And yet we need to be willing to cooperate and respond to you, God, as you do it. And I pray, God, that we would always bring that spirit of cooperation into this building. And that every time we get together as your people, we recognize what a special privilege and opportunity we have to partner with your Holy Spirit every Wednesday, every Sunday, God, that we're here. It's not something that we should ever take for granted. It's not something that can be duplicated. It's something that happens simply because out of your grace, you choose to do what you're doing here. And God, we want to hold on to it because we want to hold on to you, God. And just as we sang about earlier, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place always. God, you are always welcome here. This is your church. We are your people. We don't want to do our agenda, God, because that means nothing. We want to follow your agenda, God. We want to follow your will. We want to be your servants. We want to wake up every day and make ourselves available to you, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we go through this tremendous season that we're going through, and as we look with anticipation and expectation to the season that you have for us to come, and we are excited about that, God, that we will make ourselves ready, that we will allow you to prepare us, God, for what great things you have to bless us with, because there's nothing like living in the very center of your blessing, God. There's nothing like it on earth. And I pray, God, that we'll seize it and go after it like never before as your people. God, may we declare in this room today that you're enough for us, God, and that we will be willing to step out by faith, even that faith of that little mustard seed because of who our faith is in, and that we will say, God, I'm no longer delaying. I'm no longer saying next week or next month or next year or whenever. I'm saying now, God, now's the time. I'm stepping out. I'm engaging like never before. I want you to raise me to a higher level. I want you to call me to service, God. Let me do my part. What is it, God, you want me to do? And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.